0: Welcome to Jumpstart Your Joy, a podcast that looks at the inspiration, intention, and actionable steps to help you jumpstart joy in the world, in your life, and in other people's lives. This is your host, Paula Jenkins. Welcome to episode 162, and welcome back to the show, you guys. This week, I am so excited to have one of our very favorite guests back. It is Sarah Von Bargen of the blog Yes and Yes, and she is back to talk to us all about building joyful habits and how you can question the assumptions of the world around you to make room for habits that serve you and really build on the things that are right for you in building a joyful life. I'm so excited to have her back because, of course, she was on in season two and was one of the fan favorites, so it's always a delight to get to speak to her again. Before we get to the show, hope you guys had a wonderful Thanksgiving and a very happy holiday. We had a nice time here in Northern California. The air finally cleared, and of course, the fire that is north of us has calmed down and just sending so much love and Peace to those who are affected by it if you want to find a couple of ways to donate money to some of the good work that's going on for the butte county fire also known as the campfire there are links on the website and in the show notes for this one which you can find at jumpstartyourjoy.com forward slash sarah and it'll also be on the homepage this week And I am also very happy to welcome you here. If you are new to Jumpstart Your Joy, this is a podcast that is designed to talk all about the inspiration, intention, and action involved with bringing more joy to your life. And that's really the place that I've honed in on for this season, which is season four. And it's been a lot of fun to dive into topics that relate to those three things. And of course, there are some of these guests that are just an amazing combination of all three, which is what you will hear from Sarah today. If you want to subscribe to Jumpstart Your Joy, we are on all the major podcasting apps. And so you can find us on iTunes and Google Podcasts. Just search for Jumpstart Your Joy. I would love it if you would subscribe and please leave a review. It makes a big difference and helps other people find us. (laughs) So please do that. And if you feel like there's someone out there in your life that could use a little bit of inspiration, intention, and action to bring more joy in their life, please share the show with someone close to you. You can just send them the link, jumpstartyourjoy.com. One super big announcement that I am really excited to share with you guys, and it's been in the works for a while now. I'm totally thrilled to announce that I'm going to be one of the 2019 CLCC Lead Coaches and that means I am returning to the Courageous Living Coach Certification Program as a lead coach. It's a new role. I've been a mentor. I was, I took a year off last year and now I'm coming back to play a bigger role in the program. It is an amazing life coach certification program that I was a graduate of in 2015. And I'll link up to a couple of the interviews with Kate Courageous or Kate Soboda. You can listen more. She's the author of The Courage Habit, and this is her program, then teaches you how to also be a life coach. If you're curious, I will also put a link if you want to apply. I think as of this recording, there are 12 spots open for the 2019 program. It starts with a big retreat in the, the wine country of Northern California, so it's a real... It's a real treat, and it's an amazing program. So without further ado, let's just get on to the show with Sarah Von Bargen. You guys, welcome back to Jumpstart Your Joy today. I am so excited. You can probably hear it in my voice, like the anticipation to get to speak with Sarah Von Bargen again. Welcome back to the show, Sarah. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much (laughs) for having me again. I just snorted. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, yeah. If you guys do not know Sarah, she is of Yes and Yes and was on in season two, much beloved in season two. And so it's a treat to have you back. Well, thank you so much. Yeah. Do you want to talk a little bit about where you've been and what you're doing since we last spoke? Which I think is when you had just kicked off
1: the money the Program. money stuff. Yes. Yeah. Oh, goodness. I can't believe it's only been two years. So I I think when we last spoke, I had launched my course, Put Your Money Where You're Happy is, which is sort of about changing your relationship with money and spending. And since then, I have released two other courses, Make It Stick Habit School, and a course that has turned out to be wildly popular, completely <laughs> unexpectedly, which yeah. is probably a metaphor for all Business, which is my course called Bank Boost, which is a six-week live course. It's a deprivation-free approach to spending less and saving more. And it's—I mean, the next time I run it, it'll be forty-five dollars, so it's incredibly affordable. And it just has like insane results. People bring in one, three, seven thousand dollars in six weeks, and it was a complete surprise that it has—it <laughs> had that people it has been as successful as it has i was blown away by the response to it so if awesome. any of you listening are business people this is you know this is i guess the story of don't give up you never know what's going to work so <laughs>
0: it's so true well mm-hmm. and it's i feel like i mean and, um, one of the things that's so funny for my my own experience is like one of the things i was like we were driving one day on the way to vacation and i just put up on Facebook, hey, would anybody want to take a podcasting class for me? And like, (laughs) I had a Mm. class full before we got to our destination.
1: Same thing.
0: I was like, this seems like it could be cool. And then sure enough. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Yes, absolutely. And I think that something that I've learned and will probably have to relearn, I learn it every day, every month, is that you cannot control how people respond to the things that you put out in the world. And it's not personal whether something succeeds or doesn't. So you have to just sort of release any expectation about how things are going to be received and just keep doing your best. Because I mean, the rule of the rule of averages, eventually something's going to stick. If you Mm -hmm. keep doing your best and trying your hardest and working hard and being nice to people, eventually something's going to stick. It just might not be the thing that you thought it was going to be. It's so true, and it's
0: especially when you're like, I've got this little flick of inspiration, and like your heart's in it. And I think that people almost react to that. It's kind of like I don't know why this is striking me at all, but like you know, when you're a kid, you got all those birthday presents, and the one that like your friend was like, "Oh my gosh, I'm so excited to give this to you," and then somehow that toy also like that energy comes over mm-hmm. to you, and you're like, "Oh, I'm so excited to have this toy." So yeah, yeah, yep. there's something magical about it. Well, what are the things? I was so excited and I feel like there's a whole shift amongst a bunch of people kind of going this way was, and each of us are doing it in our own way, but kind of the shift of going from like thinking and thinking and thinking about stuff and then that, bam, like where's the action point? And I know you've talked about it and around kind of like being an intentional liver. I don't Mm -hmm. know if it's liver, in intentional living, but like... Mm -hmm. I don't know if you want to talk about that a little bit more, because there's so much juiciness about this that I would love to like just unpack and
1: like devour. Sure. Absolutely. I think for me, living my life with intention has mostly come down to no big deal questioning um, all of culture's expectations of me as a woman, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, you know, just super easy, no big deal, nothing hard about that, but just sort of looking at the messaging and expectations that, I receive from movies, from books, from magazines, from family, from friends, from social media, and really trying to intentionally approach literally almost everything and really reconsider if it is or is not right for me. And that is not to say that like every single choice in my life is super counterculture, because there are some things that I genuinely enjoy that American society in general also enjoys. Like, I love a good pedicure. Mm -hmm. I love Netflix. (laughs) I love carbohydrates, you know, and pretty much everybody else loves those things too. But there are a lot of decisions that I've made in my life, like things that I have done, things that I've purchased, things that I have not purchased, that sort of run counter to traditional society, traditional American society, because I really got intentional about it. And I really sort of thought about it and realized like those things are not for me. Mm -hmm. And there is, I have no anger or shame or guilt. And I don't think less of anybody who is doing those things that I've opted out of or vice versa. But I have just worked really, really hard to make for sure that my day-to-day life aligns with my values and what makes me happy. Yeah. And I think there's something
0: about that that came out of season three for me, interestingly enough, was like this series of conversations. And after it was over, I'm like, I'm never going to be the same. Right. Like (laughs) it was this very much like it was around grief and how you have to make room for grief and joy. And like it's Mm. important to like plan it in. And then this idea that like we have to use our energy to find our way to like the positive side. And then Mm -hmm. also this really intense idea of like but it's only with action that we get there and so it's like mm-hmm. that same like how do we find those things joy being one of those you know if we're gonna go danielle laporte on it like that's mm-hmm. one of my like <laughs> <my laughs> key attributes or whatever like that's one of my values that i want to follow but like how do i make room for it it sounds like you're kind of like going through those like you're going through it as well where like where's the alignment and mm-hmm. it doesn't matter what other people think i'm going to do that thing that's right for me regardless mm-hmm. of what society and memes and stereotypes and expectations are
1: yeah yeah Yeah. how do we get there or were you going to go somewhere else with that oh no well honestly I think a lot of it and this is you know probably incredibly obvious but it's just tuning into the way you feel after you interact with You know, a certain group of friends after you interact with like your incredibly judgmental aunt and uncle after you use social media for a long time after you watch a certain TV show. If you notice in your if your shoulders are tight, if you find yourself immediately like going online to shop because you watch this TV show where the sets and the costumes are amazing, you look around your house, feel less than and then you start shopping for stuff. That's Mm -hmm. a good that's an indication that you are not doing those things with intention. You're doing them because this TV show made you feel less than. And that is with everything. Like there is a friend of mine who is a lovely, wonderful, awesome person who deserves all of the success that comes her way. She and her partner just bought a $1.5 million house and I went over to her house to have lunch with her. And I realized that after I had lunch with her in her house, again, she deserves that house. I love my house, but I don't think that I can ever have lunch with her in her house again because it makes me not like my house. Mm, And I love my house. Like, I live in this house on purpose. It's a 1,300-square-foot Craftsman bungalow in South Minneapolis. I love it. (laughs) But I realize that hanging out in her house makes me feel Less happy about where I live. So from now on, we're just going to get coffee or go for hikes or go to a yoga class. I think Mm -hmm. it's just noticing the situations and relationships and experiences that sort of give you that icky feeling in your stomach, realizing that, tuning into it, and then either cutting those relationships out of your life, not interacting with that sort of content or media. Or, like, I still super want to be friends with this woman. I just cannot handle hanging out in her literal mansion. (laughs) So, you know, just sort of changing the extenuating circumstances around some things.
0: Yeah, that's really good stuff. Because I see you doing that same kind of thing then. It's the same Root thing. It's just a different filter on top of like, how do we make good choices about money? Or
1: Mm -hmm.
0: how do we make habits that support that gut feeling that you're talking about, where it's Mm -hmm. like, no, I feel really good when I do this, or I hang out with this person, or I... Mm -hmm eat this thing. But I really yeah. don't feel so good about myself when I'm going for, I, I always joke about this, but the tortilla chips at 1130 at night. Like, oh, sure. Uh, we've all got, we've all got our story. own
1: version of the tortilla chip. Yeah. Yes. It's totally a metaphor.
0: Mm-hmm. Everyone has their own tortilla chips, but yeah. I mean, it's interesting because is what is it? It's catching yourself in the moment of decision. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Catching yourself in the moment in decision, realizing that you feel bad or that something feels off. I wrote a blog post about this. If any of your listeners or if you know anything about poker, when somebody is holding a certain, you know, type of their hand and they're they're trying to hide how they feel about it, but they they have what's called a tell. So maybe they're mm-hmm. sweating. Maybe they're blinking a lot. Maybe, you know, they are running their hands through their hair, but there's something that they're doing. They're not even aware of it, but there's something that they're doing that indicates how they really feel. And we all have tells for the things in our life that either make us feel good or make us feel bad. Um, one of my tells is what a former roommate calls depression pasta. <laughs> because, oh, no. because when I, my friend Jess, we lived together when I was in graduate school and I was in graduate school. I was living in New Zealand. I was in graduate school three quarters time and was also working three jobs. So I was super stressed out. And when I would have a bad day, I would come home and I would make myself a bowl of pasta with margarine and that really terrible, like, powdered Parmesan cheese. Mm. And that was, like, that was my tell that I was having bad You're speaking day. my love language. Yes, right? I love it's, that. And she would. And it got to the point where, like, I would wash the bowl because I didn't want her to see it because she would come home and see it and be like, what's up? Okay. And so, like, I didn't. And to this day... I mean, I've dramatically reined that in. I am much more aware of my triggers, but maybe like a year and a half ago, I went out for coffee with a woman who I didn't know super well. And she is a really negative person. And most of our interaction was her like gossiping about some people that we knew and like saying mean things about herself. And I got home and I'm not kidding you. I was three bowls deep. I was three bowls deep into depression pasta before I like made the, Connection, yeah. But like, Sarah, this like you should not hang out with this person again because this is what you're doing. Like, if this if this friendship is or this relationship is so toxic that you're like self medicating with like the specific thing you do after a a terrible day, like you can't hang out with her anymore. Yeah, and so I think just understanding that about yourself and realizing like, oh, when I you know eat this, when I binge watch this thing on net this specific thing on netflix when i fall on instagram hole when i you know go to target and wander around aimlessly and i emerge with 120 dollars worth of throw pillows th- that's my tell we all have different tells but if you can identify it you can sort of work backwards and realize like oh this thing indicates that i'm not you know living in alignment this thing indicates that i'm unhappy and then work backwards to sort of figure out what made you feel that way
0: that's super powerful cuz i think even just the noticing of the tells and noticing i mean cuz i've recently had an experience where there's someone that you know i had initially thought like hey this person i get along super well and yet more and more <laughs> i'm noticing that it's after those interactions that i start i start my own series of i go foraging for some chocolate you know mm-hmm. i and it's or i need to go. One of my favorites is online. I really like to look at vacation rentals. Oh, sure, <laughs> like, yeah. yeah. That's a really fun hole to dive into. And then mm-hmm. like an hour's gone and you're like, and I haven't rented anything. So, mm-hmm, <laughs> but like, yes. I find that that's maybe the crutch or the tell or whatever we want to call it. And I'm starting to now very much realize that it is in relation to you know, how this specific person makes me feel. So Mm -hmm. thank you for that eye opener and like putting a little more context around it, because I think the interesting thing there that like may not be apparent to people is it could be someone that you actually kind of think that is good for you or that it's like an okay relationship that actually just
1: is not. Yeah. Yeah. And, and it can also be like, there are so many things and it's not to say that because somebody, you know, you and I end up eating pasta and I trace it back to this person and they're a terrible person. It could no, be that yeah. this person literally looks, she physically resembles like somebody who was mean to me in high school. Mm-hmm. It can have nothing to do with them. That person can be perfectly lovely. Like it's right. not my friend's fault that she lives in a, again, a literal mansion. Like that's about me. It's not about her. But when you realize these things about yourself, it's as always, it's easier to change yourself than it is to change anybody else. Yes.
0: Mm, that's so true. Yeah. Well, and where do you see kind of either in your own experience or like with some of the people that are in your class, like what are some of the interesting actions like in a positive direction that people are starting to take once their Ooh. eyes are open to the things that maybe
1: aren't working for them? I would say one of the biggest things that people, the two biggest positive changes that people make are changing the way they use their phones and also being more intentional about stuff around sleep. And I mean that makes total sense, right? Like being being well-slept and not compulsively using your phone every single moment like as a social crutch or as and falling down the comparison trap. Those two things are things that I see a lot and can really have huge huge positive benefits to somebody's life. And mm-hmm. what's so interesting is one of the things that I that I teach in habit school is, you know, at the beginning we talk about okay, in the next 6 weeks we're all going to work on one habit, we're changing one habit. So everybody tell the group, you know, what habit you're going to work on. And then I say, okay, okay, so now that you've thought about that, I want you to work backwards because you might need to actually change a habit that's like four habits back. Mm-hmm. So if yeah. you want to develop a habit of getting up at 5:30, what you actually need to do is is to develop a habit of going to bed at like 9:30, which means that you have to get off your phone at 8:30. Mm-hmm. And so what you really need to do is stop develop the habit of getting off your phone at 8:30. It's, it's not always as obvious or straightforward as it seems, particularly around sleep, because a lot mm-hmm. of times there are a lot of things that you have to do, especially for most of us. A lot of people have bad habits around like using their phone too late, drinking coffee too late, staying up and watching TV too late. And then, you know, if you go to bed at 2 a.m., then... You're gonna want to sleep in, and then you sleep too long on the weekend. So a lot of it is just sort of working backwards to find like the foundational habit that you can change.
0: Yes, oh, I like that. And I'm also wondering too, like, what's up with us not wanting to go to sleep? Do you have any insights on that? Like,
1: I don't looked into. I don't know. Yes, I really, I don't know. I am extremely militant about my own sleep hygiene. I recently cut out caffeine altogether in an attempt to get even more serious about it. And I already have like a 17 step like pre-bed routine because I'm Mm. so serious about it. I don't know. I I imagine that a lot of it, I mean, social media is designed to be addictive, right? You know, most, I don't know if you know this, but you can actually turn off the autoplay on your Netflix. So it doesn't keep going, but most people don't know that you watch one episode, you want to watch another one. And also something that I have found in myself and I think could potentially be true for a lot of women, like my pre-bed routine, you know, like I take off the makeup. I brush my teeth for two minutes with the Sonicare. I floss. I put on a variety of creams, you know, like I spray <laughs> my, it's it's a long process It is and for I, well, I want to yeah. like avoid it. Mm. Like I put off it. I put off going to bed because I know there's so much stuff I have to do in order to get into bed. So what I've had some success with doing is doing a lot of that stuff earlier. Like if I brush my teeth right after dinner, that's one less thing I have to do at 9.30 p.m. If I take off my makeup, you know, after dinner or, you know, if I change, I mean, I don't necessarily change my pajamas at like 6.30 p.m. But, you know, there are there are things that I can do before it's 9.30. So then it's not this like 45 minute chunk of a million different habits to lead up to going to bed. That's interesting.
0: Yeah, because I think for myself, if I dig it a little bit, it's something more around this idea. My story is that somehow that's time for me or Mm -hmm. like I don't want to, you know, like I'm. this is (laughs) a very awkward attempt at self-care that's backfiring terribly, right? Like that somehow, yeah, I deserve to sit here and watch the Netflix and thank you for telling me you can turn it to not auto-go because, yeah, that – especially mm-hmm. anything that's HGTV. I'll just keep going. I'll just yes. keep going. Yeah. So, yeah,
1: And I, I think that, that that's very common, especially it, for for parents. It mm-hmm. feels it's like the kids are in bed and you're like, oh my God, this is like the one hour I get to myself. Yes. I don't want to spend it, you know, applying moisturizers and like winding down and getting into bed. Like I want to watch my TV show or I want to, you know, putter around the house or chat on Facebook with my friends. Like I don't want to... It can feel like you're cheating yourself. And of course the giant irony is like, you're cheating yourself by not getting enough sleep and it's affecting mm-hmm. everything in your life. <laughs> but, yes. but it can feel like, can I just have this one thing? Can I just have an hour to myself? Right. And that hour is so elusive most of the
0: day when it's mm-hmm. just, yeah, my son's eight. So I, I get it with the mm-hmm. parent side of it. Mm-hmm. And also, so, I mean, I also feel a little bit better here because since you listed off both phones and sleep, those would be my top two as well. So thank you.
1: Thank you for sharing what people are changing. You are not alone. Those are very common. The other ones is lots of people are trying to develop meditation habits and a lot of people are trying to develop morning workout habits.
0: Yeah, those would both be good too, but I would only go one at a time.
1: (laughs) Oh yes, I tell people that is like, that is rule number one is you are only allowed to take on one habit at a time. And I will lovingly call people out if they try and say like, you know, oh, but no, but I can do it. No, you're not the exception to the rule. Like your brain chemistry is not different than everybody else's.
0: Yeah. Yeah. No, it's not worth trying to do more Mm -hmm. than one at a time. Mm -hmm. I also loved, you've mentioned it kind of in a couple different ways on your, on a couple of posts, I think in the intro video for, um, the habit school, but like, kind of mentioned this idea of an unofficial accountability partner, which I was like, oh my gosh, that sounds like what I need because there's an accountability score that you can do. Gretchen Rubin has it. There we go on oh, her yes. site. Yeah. 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 About yes. like what kind of accountability actually works for you. And yes. Oh yeah. The four tendencies. Yes. Yes. Love it. And I think she has a book on it now too, yes. because probably everyone loved it so much, but I'm probably a rebel. Cause I really don't like anyone trying to hold me down on things, oh, but yeah. I get it done. Yes. So, so I might be self-accountable. But tell me more about, about the unofficial accountability partners, because I think this is an interesting way to maybe even,
1: <laughs> I don't know, like kind of sidestep your own ego in like <laughs> trying yes. to make yourself accountable. Yes. Yeah. So I would say the three ways that you can set up unofficial accountability partners. One, I use Instagram for unofficial accountability partners. And I know, I don't know if you know Tammy Hackbarth. She does this as well. But I know. Um, Amazing. She I, listens. <laughs> Hi, Tammy. Oh, hi, Tammy. We're talking about to you. Yeah. Um, but so I take the dog for a walk every morning. And a lot of times I try to go to a specific, really nice, um, like, garden area, a really nice, like, landscape garden area. And then I will take a, a picture of it and say, you know, like, a morning walk accountability photo. And like, I'm not under the illusion that all, you know, 7,500 of my Instagram followers are like, oh, I wonder if Sarah's going to post it today. But just the fact that I regularly post that photo of that specific garden makes me feel like someone is holding me accountable. And when I post it, you know, people will reply and say like, oh, that's so pretty. Or, oh, you know, like, I love that you do like share these accountability photos. Like it makes me want to do it too. And I've seen some of my followers start to do it. So I use Instagram for accountability. And I know that if you're part of sort of like a larger program, if you do like Whole30 or the minimalism game, there are huge communities on Instagram with hashtags that you can be part of. So you can sort of get accountability that way. And the second way to get unofficial accountability is just to talk about the habit that you're trying to change. When an opportunity presents itself, it's not weird. So... so- Like, if I'm going to a Halloween party and people ask me, you know, what's new with me, I can say, oh, I actually gave up caffeine completely because I'm, you know, trying to further improve my sleep. And I mean, like, that wasn't weird. It was just like a normal thing that I said. And most people have very strong feelings about coffee. And so it usually, like, turns into a conversation. But the Mm -hmm. fact that I have articulated it, that I have told people, if I tell 15 people, it is likely that at least some of them, the next time I see them, are gonna say, like, oh, are you still off coffee? And the fact that I have shared it, and if I say, oh, you know, I gave up caffeine, I'm sleeping so much better, like I have so much more energy, so much more focus. When I start talking about the benefits that I'm seeing from this thing that I'm doing, it makes it easier for me to remember. I'm digging neural pathways. And then, you know, when I feel tempted to get coffee, it's much easier for me to remember oh, Sarah, like you sleep better, you have more focus, you have more energy when you don't drink coffee. And I'm also creating the identity for myself as somebody who cares about their sleep, who cares about their health, who can do something that some people sort of, I guess, consider to be hard. So when I talk about it, again, not in a weird way, just like when it comes up, I'm creating unofficial accountability partners with the people that I talk to. I know there's a third one and I can't think of it off the top of my head. But yeah, so Instagram and just casually putting it into conversation with your friends can can really help. Yeah. And I think that's so
0: powerful. I mean, I think that's sometimes why I'm the flip of it comes true for me. It's like I'm hesitant to say anything like in social media of like, oh, I think I'm going to do this thing. Because then I'm like, oh, crap. Now all those people know. Yeah. Now (laughs) I have to do it. Yes. Like my friend who came home. This is a really weird side story. But when we were 16, like we all got invited over to his house to watch RoboCop mm-hmm. when he went to go take his his mom invited us and he was out taking his driver's license test. Well, you kind of can see where this is going. He came oh, home God. and he had not passed. Oh, no. And everyone's like, oh, bummer.
1: No uh, party. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And yeah he's how- like,
1: what are y'all doing here? Oh my god! Because <laughs> everybody wants to hang out with their friends right after they fail in a really public way. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Especially when they've be, been
0: redoing their Nova for the last two years in excitement of passing oh. this test. Oh. <laughs> Hey, Brian Clark. Oh,
1: oops.
0: (laughs) 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 Oh, boy. Anyway, so yeah, I think that it's super helpful because I often will kind of, the rebel side will buck the idea that, like, I don't want anyone telling me what to do, but that's kind of a softer way of going about it.
1: Yeah. Oh, sorry. I did remember the third way. The other third way is to make an appointment associated with it or prepay for something or like invite somebody to do something. So if I am trying to build a Zumba habit and it doesn't work for everybody because some people will still flake out even after they put money in it. Mm -hmm. But if I buy like a prepaid, you know, 12 class pass, or if I invite my friend to meet me there or, you know, if I make a massage appointment, like I'm not going to flake out on the masseuse. So that can also, that can also help making appointments or inviting other people along will dramatically decrease the amount that you flake out. Yeah,
0: that's a good one. I do that. This sounds terrible, but I'll totally do that with my hairdresser. Like, no, I'm not leaving until I've made the appointment for next time, because otherwise I know I'm going to forget. And then you won't, in fact, see me for six months. (laughs) Yes, Yes. it doesn't strike me. It strikes me that a lot of why people don't get into the space of like, changing things up or trying for a new habit i'm gonna go out on a limb here and say like a lot of it has to do with like they don't trust themselves that it's gonna work do you think yes. is that is that some of it or what do you feel like the root of it is
1: well i would say there are two things i mean then they probably come down to the same thing but like for whatever reason they are not as interested or invested in changing that thing as maybe some other people think they should be. And what I tell people all the time, and I say it in my webinars pr- promoting my courses, and I think it's even in my marketing material somewhere, like it is hard to change habits and you absolutely should not do it if you're doing it for somebody else. Mm-hmm. Like yeah. this is not a course that your partner can buy for you <laughs> because or they want you to change your workout habit or they want you to quit smoking. Mm-hmm. You absolutely have to want to do this 100% for yourself because it is in motivation is not like contagious. Like I cannot make you want to stop smoking. I cannot make you want to stop, you know, impulse purchasing. So I would say a lot of the times people feel like they should want to stop doing something like, you know, maybe there are people in their life who are incredibly frustrated by how they spend money or how they don't exercise or how they're always stressed out because they're drinking too much coffee and they never go outside. But unless that person is truly, truly motivated to change, it doesn't matter. Like it doesn't matter if everybody in your life and your physician and your partner thinks you should change. If you don't truly want to, it's not going to work. So I think that's part of it. Yeah. And the other thing is that a lot of the messaging around habit change that we read in like women's magazines and on HuffPo and stuff is literally incorrect. Like it is, <laughs> it is yes. not correct. From like a like psychologists and psychiatrists would be like, no, that's not true. So I would say the biggest thing. There are two big things that are very common to read, but are not actually true. And one is the 21 days to new habit, which is not true. Psychologists have proven that the average is actually 65 days to change a habit. So more than triple. And that is the average, it can vary from as much from 12 days to 265. And that is not it will continue to vary per person and per habit. So like, if you can change a habit, if you can stop smoking in 30 days, that does not mean that every habit you try to change is gonna only take you 30 days. It really, it depends on the person and it depends on the habit. And so I think people have incredibly unrealistic expectations about how long it will take them to change habits. And so then they try and they fail. And every time we fail at something, Particularly if we fail repeatedly at changing a habit, it reinforces a self-narrative. I'm not good at this. I can't do it. I give up on everything. I guess I'm just meant to insert thing here. Right. So falsehood number one is that habit change only takes 21 days. And the other thing, and this is maybe, I don't know that, that we see this spelled out exactly in like lifestyle magazines, but... I just wish that everybody would know that habit change has nothing to do with your intelligence or your work ethic. Mm-hmm.
0: Like yeah.
1: President Obama, I don't know if he still does, but he's smoked for years and years and years. And Oprah Winfrey has struggled with her eating habits very publicly for decades. And I think we mm-hmm. can all agree that those people are very hardworking and very intelligent. And so I think a lot of people, again, get down on themselves when they don't see the success they want and they think they can sort of like think their way through it or work their way or work really hard and get their way through it. But the reality is habit change has so much to do with, has to do with neural pathways. It has to do with the stories we tell ourselves. It has to do with recognizing triggers and tempting situations and, you know, like creating sort of a contingency plan for when we know we're going to be in a situation that's going to make us want to give up. Like it's, it's not nearly as much about intelligence and hard work as you would think, which is both depressing and reassuring, I think.
0: Yeah. And isn't there something in there too that like I think when there's been times where I've tried something and it hasn't gone as I had hoped, I also what attach some sense of my own worth to my ability to do this thing. Which only then Which
1: is totally uh, not.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Which is not helpful. Not true. And then it spirals a bit on the like well I couldn't do that. So Who am I then? Hi. Yeah. You know, internal voice of who am I to think I Mm -hmm. can do that? And then that's the whole that's the whole dark space or the bad space that I go to. with these. Yeah.
1: And something else that I tell people all the time, for me, I find a lot of comfort in things that are like scientifically proven facts. You know, Mm -hmm. like it's not personal. This is the situation as a human being with. The brain that's inside of your skull. So human beings have a limited amount of self-control that they can exercise every day. And they have a limited amount of decision-making that they can exercise every day. It is across every culture, gender, race. It is not every single person will run out of self-control if they have to use too much of it during the day. Every single person will suffer from decision fatigue if they have to make too too many decisions during the day. Mm -hmm which is why I think it's one of the things that I teach is you need to make it easier to be good and harder to be bad, you know, good and bad in quotes, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, again, like incredibly smart, successful people have plenty of bad habits, like because we all have limited amounts of these two sort of mental capacities And the other thing that I find really interesting is that multiple studies have shown is that people who practice self-compassion after they fail are more likely to, you know, pull themselves up and keep going. And so when I heard that, I found that very reassuring because, like, you know, we've all heard, you know, when we were in kindergarten, our teacher was like, "That's okay, keep going." Like, yeah, that's great, but to have it actually, like, no, this has been scientifically proven. you know like m- across multiple studies sociology psychology psychiatry these they have shown it that when you practice self compassion you will be more successful so knowing that just from like sort of an objectively true standpoint made it easier for me when i did screw up to make a decision this is an intellectual decision i am practicing self compassion because that is what science has told me to do i mm-hmm. found that that motivated me more than just like oh it seems like a nice thing to do <laughs> right yeah,
0: that's helpful. I think, yeah, because the thinking brain also wants to know those cold, hard facts. So I think yes. that's, you know, the heart of the soul or whatever. It's so like, I don't know, I feel my way through this or so whatever. But yeah, mm-hmm. your brain is, is going to attach itself to those numbers. Mm-hmm. This is all such good stuff. Oh, good things. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So where do you see, this will kind of be a change up, but like, where do you see that crossroads of like habit and intention and joy.
1: Oh gosh, that's a great question. <laughs> well, the I think the like the subtitle or the tagline for Make a Stick Habit School is create and commit to the habits that will give you the life you want, or something like that. So like there of course there are habits that are just like the building blocks to like a healthy, productive life. Getting enough sleep, drinking enough water, moving your body, you know, for like 20 minutes a day you know, not letting your emails pile up, that kind of stuff. But once you've, you know, just like Maslow's hierarchy of needs, once you get that stuff, I think it's important to build in joyful habits to really think about what are the things that make me happy and how can I make for sure that those are part of my life on a day-to-day basis? Because, you know, before I got better at this, and I'm sure you've struggled with this, I imagine your listeners have as well, You know, it is so easy for the days to pass and the months to pass. And then you can look at your calendar and think, like, what have I done? Like, have I done anything that actually made me happy on on purpose in the last Mm -hmm. month, in the last two months? So I think that if you can build healthy habits to sort of put that stuff on autopilot, you open up so much of your life and your calendar and your brain to doing the things that make you happy, not the things that make, you know, your parents happy, your partner happy, your friends happy, but doing the things that make you happy. Yeah. I, I think that's powerful
0: too. It's kind of a giggled when you said the thing, like the time can pass and then you realize you, what have you done this month, this year or whatever? Cause there was that meme about Meghan Markle being pregnant about, you know, she's fallen in love, gotten married <laughs> and all that. And like, yeah. and in the past two years, I haven't even managed to, what was it? Repair my My towel rack or something. It's like, yes, yes.
1: all that. Yes, (laughs) yes, absolutely. Absolutely. And so I, I literally schedule fun. This is one of the things that I teach in Bank Boost is that at the beginning, like on Sunday night, literally schedule your fun into your week. Because when you have things to look forward to, and you know where your time and money and energy is going, you are much less likely to feel deprived. And when you don't feel deprived, then you don't need to like do that thing where you go into Target and spontaneously spend $120 because you know like, okay, on Wednesday, I'm going to the matinee on Friday, we're having friends over for dinner on Saturday, we're going for a hike and on Sunday, we're hosting brunch or something like that. When you have all that stuff to look forward to, it makes you feel good. 30% of the happiness we get from any given experience comes from anticipating it. And like 30, 40% comes from the experience itself and the rest of it comes from recalling it. So when you have stuff to look forward to, when you plan out those joy-making things, it increases the amount of joy you get from them because you get to look forward to them. Yes.
0: Oh, I agree so much. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's Mm -hmm. like that anticipation and building and planning and yes, so good. Well, would you like to share a little bit about if somebody's like, oh, yeah, I need this kind of accountability or I am totally enthralled with what you're saying about Bank Boost. Where can people find this stuff and how can they how can they work with you?
1: Absolutely. So everything that I do, all my blog posts, my podcast interviews, my courses is housed on yesandyes.org. Right now I am running a live version of Habit School, so it is closed because I'm doing it live. But I am doing another enrollment of bank boost that will begin probably in like mid-January 2019. If you are interested in that, I super encourage you to get on my mailing list because last time it sold out in four days. And there were a bunch of people who did not get in. So if it sounds like something you'd be interested in, I would encourage you to get on my mailing list. Or you can actually buy the book that the course is based off of for $17 and read it at your own pace. But yeah, everything is at yesandyes.org. And I'm all over social media. And my tag is yesandyesblog. Hey, (laughs) this has been
0: so much fun to have you back. Thank you. you. This is wonderful, Paula. (laughs) Yeah, yay. (laughs) Oh, Sarah, it is always a treat to get to talk to you. And I just love having you on the show. Thank you for coming back for season four. It's been a real delight. And thank you so much for sharing some very actionable tips on how to bring more joy into your life and how to make that meaningful change when you notice that something's feeling off. Uh, I really appreciate that you've come back. And if you guys want to see a little bit more, get some of the links and get the information for this, you can find everything over at the website at jumpstartyourjoy.com forward slash Sarah, S-A-R-A-H. That'll take you right to to the page, along with those links that I mentioned about how you could donate to some of... The great people that are doing wonderful work to help support those people that were impacted by the Camp Fire or the Butte County Fire, which is about 200 miles north of where I live here in Northern California. Also, if you are excited about podcasting and you are a regular listener, or maybe you're not, but you're new and you really feel drawn to doing a show, I would love to work with you. That's actually the thing that I do um, with clients is I help them launch a show. I'm a project manager with 20 years of experience and I also hold a life coaching uh, certification. So it's the sweet, sweet spot right there of coaching and project management, and I just love getting to do it. So if you want to find out more, you can email me directly at jumpstartyourjoy at gmail.com. I'd also love to hear your feedback on the show. If you have that same email it works for that as well. And then for next week on the show, I am delighted to have Christy Tending, self-advocate, coach, and mentor back on the show. I think it's about her fifth time. And of course, if you know her and you've been listening, we met right here on the podcast. She pitched to be on the show and we are now fast friends. So it's always fun and uh, I don't know, it's a real heartfelt conversation each time she comes back. So she'll be back next week talking all about self-advocacy and I hope you'll return for that and until then, as always, I hope that your days are filled with so much joy.